Hello, and welcome to Making Christ Known, a podcast from Adairsville Baptist Church in Adairsville, Georgia. This podcast features Senior Pastor Eric Sorrell and his sermons designed to make Christ known in Adairsville and beyond. For more information about Adairsville Baptist Church, visit us on Facebook or online at adairsvillebaptistchurch.org. In this episode, Pastor Eric preaches from the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapter 6. We'll learn some of the worries we face in our lives, how to rely on God throughout those worries, and the faith believers have in future grace. Though most situations in life are out of our control, we can rest assured in the sovereignty of God. As believers, we should not be mastered by our circumstances, but by the Master. And now, here's Pastor Eric. If you are uh, a cowboy and you're trying to make a, a fast getaway, a quick getaway, you had better make sure that you don't jump on a wooden rocking horse because it will take you nowhere fast. Someone has said that worry is like a rocking horse. It will take you nowhere fast. You do a whole lot, but you're not really going to get anywhere. And this morning, I, I want to talk about worry. Uh, I want to speak to the topic of faith and us having faith in future grace. This is trust. This is reliance upon God for the future. This is trust and reliance upon God for more gifts. And so I want to turn to the Sermon on the Mount. If you have your Bible, you can open to Matthew chapter 6. You can look at the screen. The text will be there. But if you're using the Black Pew Bible, uh, the text will occur on page 811. 811, Matthew chapter 6, verse 25 through 34. If you're a guest today, that Black Pew Bible is our gift to you. We love to give those away, so just take that with you. The Sermon on the Mount is the best sermon for the hour. And so we hear the words of our Savior and Lord Jesus Christ as He preaches, as He talks about um, praying, and, and He talks about how to live a spiritually prosperous life. He, he talks about storing up for ourselves treasures in heaven, and He talks about worry. So let's read the words of Jesus in Matthew chapter 6, starting in verse 25. Jesus says, Therefore I tell you, don't be anxious about your life. Don't worry about your life. What you'll eat or what you'll drink, nor about your body what you'll put on. I mean, we might stop and say, Jesus, that's pretty foundational issues. What we eat and drink, the most important things we put into our body, and what we put on, that's almost the most important thing on the outside of our body. I mean, a house would be secondary to clothing, but these are important things. But Jesus says, don't worry about it. Don't worry about that life. He says, this is not life more than food. Ah, and spiritual life more important than food. Is life not more important than food? And the body more than clothing? Uh, look at the birds. Consider the ravens, Luke's translation says. Consider the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns. They don't have bank accounts and savings accounts and CDs and IRAs and all these other things. He says, but your heavenly Father feeds them. Now the birds do their part, right? They don't just go, ah, like they, they do some work. But they don't just store it up and hoard it up and have much fret, I don't suppose, Jesus says. He says this, are you not of more value than they, than those birds? He says this, and which of you by being anxious, by worrying, can add a single hour to his span of life? Which of you by worrying can add your lifespan by an hour? Or can add an inch to your height, one translation would say. 
Why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies. Stop and watch the birds, but stop and watch the flowers of the field. How they grow, they neither toil nor spin, but I tell you, even Solomon, that Old Testament king, in all of his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Here's a point, but if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you? And Jesus says this to his followers, Oh, you have little faith, therefore don't worry. Oh, you have little faith, don't worry, is what he says to me. Oh, you have little faith, therefore don't be anxious, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear for the Gentiles, the pagans? The unbelievers seek after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows. He knows that you need them all. Seek first. You want to worry about something? Worry about this. Seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Therefore, don't be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Don't worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow will worry about itself. Sufficient for the day. Each day has its own trouble. This is the word of the Lord to us this morning. The word of the Lord to me, as this morning I want to preach about worry. Uh, I told the earlier service I can talk about worry because I'm an expert at it, sadly. I know that sin all too well. I worry. Maybe you worry if you're honest. We like to refine our worry. We like to clean it up. We like to give it better names. We don't want to call it worry. We just call it being concerned. I'm not worrying. I'm just being concerned. I'm just stressed, a little stressed, and we don't want to call stress bad. We, we like to say, well, I'm not worrying. I'm just planning. But it's worry. Did you know, sadly, worry can be passed on to our children. I recently thought, why do my kids sometimes worry? Why do you get so uptight and worry about what's going to happen and this and that? And I thought, maybe it's because I've conditioned them to worry. They've seen worry in me, and so they begin to worry. They've seen me worry about such and such, and so they're going to worry about such and such. Worry can be passed on, sadly. I can pass on my worry to you. You can pass on your worry to others. It just, just takes a little worry in a, in a meeting and then all of a sudden you know, some, some comments get to go and now everybody's worrying. So I want to speak about worry with some, some points of my own because sadly it's a sin that I know all too well. I want you to search your heart and, and see if it's a sin that you know. It's the opposite of faith. Three big questions this morning. Here's the first question. Question number one is this, what is worry? Because Jesus is talking in the Sermon on the Mount about worrying. He says, don't worry. Don't be anxious. So let's talk about what is worry. Number one, worry is not trusting God with the future. Worry is not trusting God with the future. Martin Lloyd-Jones says this, If I allow my concern about the future to cripple me in the present, I'm guilty of worry. You see, worry is not trusting God with the future. If we're so overly concerned and we're worrying about the future that our present is crippled, we're all of a sudden paralyzed, our, our present is disrupted and broken. And what good is that? It's a sin. It's a sin called worry. Worry is not trusting God with the future. Deep in our hearts, this is what worry says. Worry says, God, I cannot trust you with the outcome of this situation. God, I can't trust you with the, with the future. And so God, because I can't trust you with it, I don't know what you're going to do I've got to take control of this future and this situation. So I'm not going to trust you with the future. I'm going to trust myself and it just leads to worry. That's why Jesus would have to say to His followers and to us, Oh, you of little faith, don't worry. Oh, you of little faith, faith in God for more future grace. Why do you worry? Number two, we could say this, that worry is a form of pride. Actually, all sins are. 
They all come back to this root of pride. What is worry? But it is self-concern, self-focus, self-regard, self-trust. God, I can't trust you in the future, so I'm going to trust myself. I'm going to look out for myself. I'm going to be overly concerned about my situation or myself. This is what one pastor says who's been doing the online thing for years and years, Craig Groeschel. He says this in a book called The Christian Atheist. Like when you believe in God, but then you live as if He doesn't exist. You live as if, you know, I trust. I say I believe in God, but I still live with worry, even though He tells me not to. Kind of like an oxymoron, a Christian atheist, to say one thing and but declare one thing, but then live another way. But worry, he says this, is this worry in essence is the sin of distrusting the promises and the power of God. Worry is the sin of distrusting the promises of God. It's a sin of distrusting the power of God, so it comes back to a form of pride. What does worry attempt to do but give us the power? Unaware that we're trying to rob God of His power by worrying. God, I'm, I can't trust you, and, and I don't really trust your power with this situation or your promises, and so I'm going to rob that power. I'm going to try to take the power, and, and I'm going to worry. I'm going to get the power. It's, it's worries like most sins, like fear, like anxiety, like a lot. Is, it's just a different form of pride. So we can say it this way, number three, what is worry? Worry is the pride-based fear that we won't get what we want. When do I worry? I worry out of pride when I have this pride-based fear that says, Eric, you're not going to get what you want. Here's what you want, but you're not going to get it, so worry is a trust issue. God, I might, these things might not turn out the way I want it, and God, I can't trust you with this, and I'm not going to trust you with this, and so I'm just going to live in pride-based fear and worry. I'm not going to get what I want, and so I, I just worry about it. Deep in our heart, this is what worry says. Worry says, what if things don't go the way I want them to? See, I want it to go this way. I want to see things play out this way, but what if it doesn't? So maybe if I worry, I can somehow get control and the power and bear something that I'm not supposed to bear. This is what Jesus is saying in this part of the sermon. Don't worry. Don't worry. Instead, seek His kingdom, His righteousness. Worry is a trust issue. Might say, I can't trust God. Might say, I can't trust Him, so I'm going to worry about Him. I can't trust her. I can't trust God with Him or her. I can't trust them. I can't trust me, so I worry about me. I can't trust that, that thing, so I worry about that. It's a trust issue. Number four, we could say this worry is a pride-based fear and a hatred of not being in control. This is what the Lord showed me, Eric. It's really your control issue. It's why you have anxiety. It's why you have panic. It's why you worry. Because you are scared at the thought of losing control and not being able to control that situation. So worry about it. We worry about it. It's a control issue. This is what worry is because deep in our heart it, it panics at the thought of not being in control. Sometimes around our house we, we talk about this. Well, that's an uncontrollable. You can't control that. So you're worrying about an uncontrollable. But then you begin to think about the things that we can control and the things that we can't control and really, God's in control of both. <laughs> we just like to think we're in control. Now, there's some things that we can play a part in, and the birds did play a part into some things, and Solomon did have his part. Jesus is not saying, don't worry, just go out and be lazy and just think that everything's going to zap and come to you. No, no. But trust God instead of having that trust issue. Let, let God be God and in control instead of trying to take control. 
God's in control of, of all things. Aren't most of the things that you worry about in your life things that you can't control? This is what Jesus is saying. He's teaching us that worry is unproductive. Hear the words of Jesus in Matthew 6, 27. Which of you by worrying can add a single hour to his span of life? Is, is, how is worry going to give you one hour more of life? And really in the grand scheme of things, well, how much is that? It's not that much. But you can't even get that. So why worry? It's unproductive. Number five, we could say it this way. Therefore, worry is sin. Worry is sin. Worry is unbelief. Don't you see that so much in our society is built around worry? All the different TV channels just have this thing of worry to so worry here and there and this and that and we just worry. Worry was with Eve in the garden. It was a trust issue. It was a control issue. I'm kind of worried that what if God's plan isn't best and what if there are other trees and I don't know what that tree is like and so what if, what if this and that and it's, it's, it's something that's, that Eve must have done as she worries through this process of do I eat or do I not eat? We all worry and worry is sin. What does worry do? What does worry produce in our lives? Let me give you five things that it produces in, in my life. I think these are true. Things that I came up with. What does worry do? Number one, worry doubts God. And after I wrote that, I wrote, those are three powerful words to say. Worry doubts God. When I worry, worry doubts God. It's not of faith. And the Bible says whatever is not of faith is sin. It's the opposite of faith. Number two, worry makes us mastered by our circumstances instead of being mastered by the master. This happens to me all the time. I worry about my circumstances and my situation. I don't like it. I don't quite think that it's being dealt the way I deserve it to be dealt. I don't like the way it's playing out. And so all of a sudden, I start to let the situation or the circumstance master me. And I'm angry and I'm stressed and I'm, I'm snapping at my kids and I'm mean because worry makes me become the servant of the situation, servant of the sin instead of servant of the master. Jesus says right before this, in chapter 6, verse 24, no one can serve two masters. I can't serve two masters. I can't be the master of my circumstances and master of my worry, you know, or let that master me and also let the master, capital M, Lord God, master me. I can't serve both. Jesus understands this, and so He preaches on it. On worry. His words are... Simple, we, you know, we can try to preach and dissect it, but there's no need. You just how, how plain and clear is, oh, you have little faith, don't worry. <laughs> I go, God, that's, I mean, that's me. I worry. Number three, what does worry do? It corrodes our thankfulness. You know, I've had some batteries that have corroded recently, and I've seen that. It's kind of this slow process, but it's yuck, but then all of a sudden the thing doesn't work anymore. It's, it's corroded. This is what worry does to our thankfulness. It corrodes our thankfulness. It's hard to be grateful and worry at the same time. You ever tried? Next time you're worrying, stop and try to thank God for something. You can't really do both at the same time. What is worry? It is a slow corrosion to an attitude of gratitude. It just slowly corrodes it. So instead, we should thank God for food and drink and clothing. We should thank God for the grass, for the flowers, for the birds. We should stop and... Be more thankful. 
What does worry do? Number four, worry leads to all sorts of other sins and issues. Worry leads to fear. Leads to anxiety. Leads to panic. Worry leads to anxiety. Worry leads to anger. Ever stopped and thought, why am I so angry about this? I'm kind of worrying over the situation. I'm angry. Worry leads to frustration. And how I express that can lead to meanness. Worry can lead to inactivity. I don't do anything because I'm just worried, so I just stay home and, and like totally quarantine. I'm totally inactive. I become lazy. But just the opposite, worry can lead to overactivity where I think that I find my sense of self-worth and being productive, so I've got to just be active, active, active. And if I'm active enough and if I do enough, and, and that, then I can control the situation. I'm not worrying anymore because I'm so overly active. See, it, it can play out differently in each of our lives. Worry leads to all of these things. It's really it's a trust issue. It's a control issue. It's a, it's a faith issue is what Jesus teaches. Number five, we've already said it in some ways, but worry is a divided mind and heart. This is what it produces in me. A divided mind, a divided heart, this is what it produces in you. It's hard to be filled with the Spirit when you're filled with worry, right? All of a sudden, we spiritually divided soul. And a spiritually divided soul is a suffering soul. I'm not happy when I'm spiritually divided. My soul is not happy when I'm spiritually divided, when I'm trying to seek first the kingdom of God, but I'm really not because I'm worrying about this and that and that situation and me and him and her and them and this and that. And what if it doesn't go? What if, it, what if, what if this? What if, what if, what if, what if? What if, what if? We all worry. We should worry over different things, different ways. One worries in this direction. Of what if this? And the other takes the other extreme. What if this? And so we, we, just, we just worry in our different areas. Jesus said, don't be anxious. Don't worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow will worry about itself. We've seen the negative, right? We, we approach this and go, what is worry? Not trusting God with the future. It's a form of pride. It's a trust issue. It's a control issue. It's sin. What does worry do? It, it doubts. It makes our circumstances our master. It erodes our thankfulness. It leads to all sorts of other sins and it, it gives us a, a divided soul which is a suffering soul. So it's in a negative, but let's look at it in a positive. The positive being this, how do we overcome worry? How do we overcome this sin of worry? Peter was with Jesus lots of times. And Peter wrote a letter called 1 Peter under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. And he must be thinking of Jesus' words as he often did. So take your Bible and turn to 1 Peter 5. This is page 1017. 1 Peter 5, verses 6 and 7, or it will be on the screen. Peter shows us how to overcome worry when he says this, verse 6 of chapter 5. Humble yourself, therefore under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time, that's His timing, he may exalt you, casting all your anxieties on Him because He cares for you. One pastor points out that, that the, the key kind of command is humble yourself. How? By casting all your anxiety upon Him. As I told the, the parking lot crowd as they left, be safe driving safely on your way home or driving carefully on your way home. Humble yourself. How? Casting all your anxiety, all your worry upon Him. So how is worry overcome? Four thoughts here. Number one is this, we're to be humbly dependent upon God. This is what Jesus is teaching, but this is what James teaches when He says, humble yourself, therefore under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time He can exalt you. In His sovereign plan, in His, His sovereign timing. We're to be humbly dependent upon God. Meek, as the Beatitude would say in the Sermon on the Mount. Trusting 
a meek trust, a humble dependency. Remember the great spiritual writer Andrew Murray in writing about humility, he said this, humility is the displacement of self by the, by the enthronement of God. That's how humility comes. We enthrone God and we displace self. Dependence rests in God's sovereign provision. Dependence says, God, I, I rest in Your sovereignty and Your control and Your plan. I rest that You are on the throne, so I enthrone You. I depend upon You to rule and to reign in my life. At the proper time, You'll do exactly what needs to be done. At the proper time. So it's humble dependence. I thought about the young child, a young baby. I don't know that the Pearson kid worries a whole lot. <laughs> the youngest one. He doesn't know worry. He just lives in the moment. He lives for each day. Now, if he's hungry or bored or tired or sleepy, he tells you the infant does, right? They don't worry about the neck, but they'll, they, they live in the present. And they have a whole lot of humility, like uh, because a child is pretty humble, but dependent. They're dependent upon the father. They're dependent upon the mother. They don't have to worry because they know the father and the mother are, are responsible for food and shelter. And they don't worry. I don't know that, it, that a real young child, now I've taught my children sadly to worry, but I don't know that the, the, the toddler has a whole lot of worry in his life. I don't remember worrying a whole bunch as a three-year-old. I just kind of trusted my parents. I had a, a humble dependence. And that's what Jesus is saying. This is how we're to be with God, a, a humble dependence that trusts the Father for provision, that trusts the Father's in control, that the Father's going to do what's, what's right. doesn't mean we like everything but that we trust. Number two, how is worry overcome? We're to be persistently helpless toward God. Persistently helpless toward God. You, you know this verse in Philippians. Listen to it. Philippians 4, verses 6 and 7. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. One translation says this, don't worry about anything, pray about everything, right? But with that prayer, let, let your request be made known to God with thankfulness, right? So we pray. What is prayer but a helplessness? A, a persistent helplessness of saying, Lord, give us this day our daily bread, and, and Lord, I need you. So I'm depending on you. I'm helpless toward God. We pray. Prayer is an acknowledgement that we're helpless apart from God in His mighty hand. See what verse 6 of 1 Peter 5 says? Humble yourself therefore under the mighty hand of God. God, I, I need Your mighty hand. And I'm persistently helpless apart from Your mighty hand. One day at a time, we pray. That's a way to overcome worry. Number three, how are we to overcome worry? We're to be trustingly thankful to God. Trustingly thankful. Faith and gratitude. A trust and a thankfulness. That, that faith and gratitude, they lead to worship. That's when we worship and we adore God is when we have faith and gratitude. Jonathan Edwards, the great preacher, said this, it's hard to fall down when you're already prostrate before God. It's hard to fall down and let the things of this world knock you down when you're already face down before God in worship. You already have faith and gratitude. How can you worry? It's hard to worry and worship at the same time. You can't. And so we're trustingly thankful. We, we worship. We choose to fall down before the Father. And with faith and gratitude, worship. And it, 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 It's the opposite of worry. How is worry overcome? Number four, we might say it this way. We're to have faith in future grace. The future grace of God. 
Faith that God will give us more good gifts, that we can trust in God and rely upon the Father. And so Jesus says in Matthew 6, 33, but seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Focus on this. Do you want to stress and be concerned and worry or plan about something? Then, then here's the thing to do. Seek first His kingdom and His righteousness. These are the more important things than an inch of your height or an hour of your life or food in your stomach and drink and clothing. It's the kingdom. His righteousness. Those are infinite grace. Those, that's marvelous, matchless grace for all eternity. So we put our faith in future grace to come. That more will come. Because Peter says this, cast all your anxiety upon Him because He cares for you. He cares for you in the moment and He cares for you in the future. He cares. So put your faith in the, that God cares and more grace will come. God will give us more good gifts. God's not done giving good gifts. He will give more through pandemics and sin and stress. and life. God's got more good gifts for His kids. Why do we stop believing that, depending upon that? God may be working something in us that we can't see. I worry because I, don't tr I can't trust God with this and I've got to be in control somehow. And We worry about the future and God says, why do you worry about the future? Because I'm, I might be doing something that you can't see. Romans 8, 20 says, we know that God works together all things for good to those that love the Lord. Well, let me just read it so I don't misquote it. Because that's, that's one that we often misquote. Romans 8, 28, listen to it. And we know that for those who love God, those are His children, the saints, we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good. Not happiness, but our good. Our good in His glory. All things work together for good for those who are called according to His purpose. See, God might be doing something in us that we can't see. He may be, as we say, giving revival to the church. But revival doesn't make the church bigger. Revival will make the church smaller. And then when we're pure, spiritual awakening will make the church bigger. Right? God may be doing all sorts of things that we can't see. And so why worry? Trust God. Have faith in God. God may have rescued us from something we didn't see coming. Sometimes I worry because it didn't go quite the way I wanted and I'm mastered by my circumstances, but sometimes I need to stop and think, maybe it happened that way because God was somehow giving me grace. I thought I wanted this, but God was actually saying, I'm saving you from something that's going to bring you harm and destruction, so I'm going to give you some temporal unhappiness for your greater good. I'm going to work good. I'm going to do something to rescue you and save you. You might not like the alternative path, right? Bad song, but like the, it's kind of true, the Garth Brooks, some of God's greatest gifts are unanswered prayers, right? If we think we want it this way and we pray about it and we don't get it and we worry, but it winds up being a, a great gift because God said I, had, I was doing something different. Because if I had given you that, it would have been miserable and terrible for you. So we need to abolish worry by faith, by trust, by dependence, by humility, by thankfulness. So my prayer is this, that God would grant us faith and future grace. He would grant us more trust and more reliance upon Him for, for future gifts. And that we would begin to see it in our life. Like, Lord, we, this really is its crippling to faith. How, how can I grow closer to You when You look and say, You have little faith. Don't worry. So we've been talking a lot about hope, but maybe the next several weeks, maybe we need to start to talk more about faith. 
and what, what faith actually looks like in our lives so we don't lose faith and, and so our faith doesn't grow small. So we can trust God for gifts. You know, today you can receive a, a gift of salvation. It's the gospel of Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ loves you, died for you on the cross, but on the third day He rose. And He ascended into heaven where He's our great high priest. He's able to pray for Eric in his weakness and his moments of worry and say, Father, forgive him. I paid for that sin. Or pray, you know, Holy Spirit, go and sanctify him and work on him and chip away at that that worry in his life and take the the Word of God and the the Scriptures just like an axe and and start to chop at that so he'll have faith. Give me faith, Lord. That's my prayer. But today you can, by faith, receive a gift of salvation. I want to illustrate it this way. Some of you have heard me say this before. There was a guy that was going to walk across the Grand Canyon in a tightrope. We we recently saw that tightrope walker uh, walked over the uh, volcano in Nicaragua, the one that we went to, Messiah, I guess, was uh, near there or something. But it's uh, a guy going to walk across this great chasm by a tightrope, and he's going to get to the other side. But he looks at the man. He says, "Do you believe I can do this?" "Oh yes, I believe. I believe in you and that you can do that. Do you believe that I can push this wheelbarrow across here?" "Yeah, I believe you can push the wheelbarrow across the tightrope." He looks at him. He says, "Well, get in the wheelbarrow." <laughs> but that's what that's what Christ calls us to is to repent and to to make Him Lord. For that man to get in the wheelbarrow, he has to repent. I'm leaving this side and I'm going to that side. And for you to to receive salvation, you have to repent from your sins. You have to leave the old life of of sin and bondage and you have to trust Christ to get to the other side. There is a a repentance that has to take place. You have to turn from your sure footing and, and you have to trust. You have to make Christ Lord. That guy has to make that man total Lord. He's got the control of the wheelbarrow. You have to get in the wheelbarrow. You have to repent and believe and, and, and exercise some lordship of saying, God, I really am going to trust you. And, and through the cross and through the resurrection, Christ takes us to the other side. He gives us eternal life. He, he bridges the chasm, right? He gives us forgiveness and peace. It's not our work. We just have to repent and rely. And so, if you do that today, you can receive a gift of salvation. Christ will give you eternal life, will give you forgiveness of sins. So call upon the name of the Lord and be saved today. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of Making Christ Known. We invite you to join us again next time for another sermon from Adairsville Baptist Church. For more information, visit us on Facebook or online at adairsvillebaptistchurch.org. Thanks for listening, and we look forward to connecting with you again soon.